0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk Sport powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh,
0: called My Old Man.
2: Mares, Aguero could punish them here and does with a record-breaking hat-trick his 12th in the Premier League one more than Alan Shearer Welcome to the My On Man Said podcast, I'm David Michael, the editor of myonmansaid.com Joining me to pick through the remains of the massacre at Villa Park, after a promising week all in, Mr Chris Budd. Hello. And Phil Shaw as well. Hello. Welcome back. We are keeping the same team, unlike Aston Villa, who have been swapping and changing over the last few weeks. We like to, uh, we're going with continuity because I think it helps, doesn't it, when it comes to... When, uh, the
3: going get, yeah, when the going
2: gets tough, you've got to stick together. Yeah, if conversation is a metaphor for being able to pass to each other, which uh, Villa seems to uh, be lacking in at the moment. Did you see the LinkedIn, well, you pointed it out to me, Chris, the LinkedIn advert, I think it was in the last 10 minutes or so, uh, LinkedIn as in the uh, website had an advert that r- ran around the the whole of our, at Villa Park saying tired of sitting in the stands spot on <laughs> offering you uh, a new sport maybe i don't know what they were offering up maybe villa should use like LinkedIn for their striker recruitment yeah well uh, if i was uh, susu i'd be getting on that asap because uh, there may be trouble mm. ahead uh, a bit of a mixed week. Uh, I mean, how are you feeling? We are back in the bottom three. Are you reset to uh, post-Watford depression or uh, are you taking it with a pinch of salt because it was City and unlikely to uh, be three points anyway?
3: I mean, I think most people expected a defeat and probably being back in the bottom three anyway, but it's more the manner of the defeat that everyone's pissed off about. But yeah. I'm pretty much sort of, uh, let's just get rid of it.
2: I'm clutching on to the fact that we're still in the semi-final. The season goes on. Absolutely, we can all still win all something. Still play for. That's how I used to judge seasons as a kid. It's like, if are you still in cups? Are you still in with the chance of Europe? And the season's still alive. So, well, as long as we buy some fucking players. Anyway, coming up in the show, we will uh, have a quick Villa week and a Villa minute just to catch up if anybody's uh, missed out on what's happened in the last week in the Villaverse. Uh, we'll also uh, look at three points that take us outside of the Villaverse where the FA have been burnt uh, with hypocrisy over the betting company TV Deal that they have. Also, we'll look at uh, how Spanish football have, uh, well, they've, have they sold their soul to a bit of a Saudi Arabia uh, brown paper envelope. And also, uh, there's a more lighter story from our friends in East Angular, a Norwich City uh, based story, which uh, we'll try to warm our hearts after the first two examples, which are basically examples of football's soul being sucked through its ass. Right. Instead of just talking about, instead of just talking about the games by games, we will t- look at the key factors that uh, played out over the last week. Uh, obviously, the January window is now open, and we will look at how it's evolved so far. Is uh, Old Suso, the sporting director, under a bit of pressure? We're now having, uh, you know, Smith is saying after games, uh, "Oh, if we don't get a striker, we'll cope." Yeah, I don't think you will. Uh, we'll also look at the midfield problems, uh, like. When where is it the failure of playing out of the back which is meant to be the uh the ethos of uh, the Smith way speaking of smith we'll we'll pick up on a couple of things he said after the manchester city game uh, we'll also look at the rise of a couple of our relegation uh zone opponents and then uh, look at the kind of mentality from some villa fans that's not going to get us anywhere in our current plight right let's uh, let's set the scene for the show uh, mr bud if you would like to give us uh, a villa week in a villa minute let me just get the stopwatch on you ready always you steady
3: no go villa start the week with the news of danny drinkwater's arrival on loan from chelsea having previously been at burnley a much changed side from the cup defeat of Fulham travels to the King Power for the first leg of the semi-final against Leicester. Smith reverts back to 3-4-3 that worked well away at Burnley on New Year's Day. After a bright start from the home side, Gilbert gives it the lead against the run play, finishing off a sweeping move to poke home at the back post. Konza hit the bar and Leicester come out after the break, piling on the pressure. Kneeling with numerous saves after a shocking error from Konza and Louise, Giff's... Leicester a goal to level up for me and Acho. Villa come out of the game with a well earned one all draw. Transfer activity through the week is yet to yield a much needed striker or two, but young prospect Louis Barry looks likely to sign as is AC Milan and former Liverpool keeper Pepe Reina Villa go into the home game with Man City's resounding underdogs and quickly realise why finding themselves 3-0 down in no time 4-0 down at half time and end up losing 6-1 Al a consolation penalty with the last kick of the game Villa return to the relegation zone
2: 5 seconds over Oh, you're going to get fired Asked, <laughs> like Smith <laughs> All right. uh, Thank you very much for that, Chris. Now let's get into the three points. First one, which has been causing a bit of a storm. Point number one uh, in the media over the last few days is the FA's rights deal. It's with the FA Cup, isn't it? with uh, the agency IMG who have basically sold rights to uh, well, they've packaged it up for all the betting companies, uh, I think principally Bet365. So the idea is, as they've always done with football highlights, is if you need to make a bet or at least have... like a fiver in your account and then you can actually watch streams and mainly it comes into play in well previously in pre-season games where they'd get the rights cheap for them and then uh, stream them so obviously they're trying to encourage you to bet on those games but now they'll have the f well they've got the fa cup already which uh, throws up a lot of hypocrisy because obviously one of the uh, the big things about betting is uh, getting young people into it i mean it's prevalent in football everywhere you turn so, if it's not on the f- football shirts stadiums are named after betting companies uh i mean i remember going to uh the playoff against fulham and just coming off the tube and it's just sky bet sky bet sky bet everywhere i mean it, I, I, you normally went used to go to wembley back in the day the twin towers and it's like this aesthetic you know this is the t- tradition of football and the marked contrast for just seeing fucking sky bet everywhere it's just Naft. as i said it's just soulless isn't it yeah so one minute the fa are trying to uh i think it's it was called heads up the mental health movement uh, where all the games kicked off uh the fa cup games kicked off a minute later to raise awareness and uh you know here they are encouraging mental health breakdowns of uh by pushing uh the fact that you would have to uh Put money into a betting count to see the highlights of games. I mean, since then, betting companies have kind of been backtracking or IGM, the agency who set it up, and say, oh, no, you know, we'll be able to uh, give the uh, the highlights to other other outlets that would be able to screen them for free. But it's it's just like you can see there's so many departments of the FA. There'll be a department of like the, the do gooders who are trying to do the right thing uh, by, you know, trying to uh, throw a light on issues, whether it's rainbow laces or mental health, etc. Then probably down the corridor, corridor there's the other people who were just trying to make as much money as possible for the fa and they have no moral compass and they obviously don't have meetings uh, amongst themselves to uh, make sure the overall message of the uh, or the protocol of the fa is all in uh, intact
3: well, it's like they have the they have the obesity health alliance, don't they? Involved, and then on the flip side of it, they have a huge sponsorship deal with McDonald's. It's like you cut yeah, <laughs> out and Mars bars
2: and yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just, I mean, it's just hypocrisy all the way through. And uh, and if they think that's going to save the FA Cup, I, I think it, there's going to be a point where I mean, it's already on its last legs, and I'm not just saying that because we got knocked out. But I think, I mean, there, there is a point where you would think a tipping point where fans would just say, we're not interested and we are not going to go to the games anymore and we are not going to be falling for the magic of the cup bullshit the BBC tried to ram down on, you know, throats. I mean, it's the only cup that I want to see Villa win because I've seen everything else in my lifetime. But I'm kind of resigning myself to the fact that it doesn't really exist uh, in its uh, romanticism as it, you know, used to. Certainly not the prestige either. No, no. Anyway, for uh, moving on to point number two, another matter of uh, football selling its soul, but uh, funny enough, not in the UK this time. Uh, you may remember the Game 39, which was uh, something that uh, I think the Premier League were trying to get going, where there would be an international round of games uh, of the Premier League played in neutral venues outside of England. This is obviously something that's happened in the NFL with their annual games uh, in London uh, now spread across two stadiums, Wembley and uh, the new Tottenham Stadium. Obviously, that was uh, shouted down. But meanwhile, over in Spain, they've changed their uh, Spanish Super Cup format, which was obviously similar to the charity shield, league winners versus the cup winners. And they've created a tournament that played out this week in the winter break in Saudi Arabia. Obviously, they got weighed in with a ton of cash there, La Liga, and they had four teams going. I think it was the first le- first semi final was uh, Real versus I think Valencia, and then it was uh, Barcelona versus Atletico Madrid. So the top two from the La Liga and the Copa de Real finalists playing a four team competition rather than the two winners uh, you know the traditional kind of charity shield thing yeah glorified peace cup yeah glorified peace cup Um, real won it in the end against atletico madrid who beat barcelona 3-2 in the semi on penalties but is it you know is it good for football well only nine percent of the club allocations were actually sold so obviously fans didn't really bother with the uh the tournament and it, it's just a way of uh advertising saudi arabia to the rest of the world the same you know way they did uh the WWE. is it wwe i don't know anything about re- wrestling but with tyson fury they put yeah. a big event in there and also the obviously the uh joshua and ruiz fight there when they had a huge
3: music festival as well over there they you know, they bought a Bought in a truckload of headliners to play at this huge festival and paid them extortionate amounts of money when you know all of them were sort of um, had the finger pointed yeah. at them for playing these gigs in you know dry countries and sort of morally bankrupt you know audiences basically.
2: I've got a feeling though that maybe the, the FA, if they look at this, they might uh, sell off the charity shield to be played uh, in a neutral ground uh, somewhere else in the world.
3: Yeah, I could see him doing that in America with so many British sides going over there pre-season anyway. It kind of almost feels like a logical fit.
2: Final point, uh, number three. This is one that came from uh, the brain of Mr. Bud. The headlines, Granddad's Gone Viral. Can you explain this?
3: The words of a a young lad called Lucas, who's nine. His lifelong uh, Norwich fan, I think it's his grandfather, called Barry Greaves, who died at the age of 83 over Christmas, unfortunately. Him and all his family were enormous Norwich City supporters. He'd been ill for quite a while. But bless him, he left the Norwich first team squad £100 in his will for them to have a round of drinks on him, which I think is a really sort of a nice little gesture. To celebrate relegation.
2: Right, anyway, moving on. I uh, just want to give a big shout-out to uh, the Mayo Mansed Man Said patrons. As per usual, we are l- relaunching the Moms Patreon service. Existing members will already uh, have seen uh, the difference so far. There's, there's essentially a focus on its... Uh, to provide more podcast shows, so it'll be in, in actual fact, it's almost like it will be used as like a, a podcast app. So last week we had uh, four extra shows, two full length proper ones, and a couple of appearances. I did. Uh, I think one was on radio, and one was on the Blue Moon podcast. So uh, the idea is to give you more bang for your buck. And, uh, you know, on one hand, obviously part of being a patron is to support the show. But uh, on the other hand, you also want more content. So uh, I've decided in 2020, this is the route we're going. So, uh, for example, if you were a patron previously and you actually want, you know, you were more there for more podcasts and you you weren't getting as many as you expected. Now is the time to uh, check in because uh, it's flowing quick and fast the extra shows and it's all killer no filler it's not just I mean I don't believe in just putting content out there for the hell of it uh, just we don't actually like the sounds of our voices so we're not doing it out of vanity <laughs> we're, we're uh, only doing it if it's necessity and there's things to actually uh, chat about so please do go to myomansed.com and check on the patron uh, link and find all the details there and uh, join us I'll be uh, making some adjustments in the week uh, I think I'll throw in for a patty as, uh, a percentage of merchandise and, and things like that so uh this week we will we'll be revamping it and uh, as i've already said it's already in motion in terms of the extra shows big shouts out uh, to the new my oh man said patrons simon fleming james mannion ben westward francis ilworth james burt jesh marshall martin allen rich parker sam wallace justin davis steve saunders and simon sangar thank you very much and hopefully you'll enjoy the ride and hopefully uh it'll end up with villa at wembley and uh cemented in the Premier League for next season it's always it's always difficult because people get apathetic when Villa start losing so uh, please do stay with us because we've got to carry on and trudge through uh, even if we're getting beat 6-1 by Manchester City but our the name of our game is to obviously keep you entertained and keep spirits up keep and, ourselves uh, entertained as well Yep. Keep ourselves entertained and you know have a bit more of an irreverent look at uh, the going that's on as well. Please do also spread the word of the show and get it out there to like-minded people. And uh, you know if you see it on Twitter, please do retweet it. It does kind of help. My, oh my. Right, uh, oh we're actually into Villa business now, are we not? Let's let's talk off the top. Let's talk about the January window. And I think there's when you go into a January window, well how Villa are going in. There's is a two-fold objective here. There's you've got to cover the injuries and that's what's happened so far by getting in Danny Drinkwater and Pepe Reina. But the other objective is obviously to improve the team because we are currently in the relegation zone. We went into the January window in the relegation zone. Now, now, if Heaton, McGinn, and Wesley were all still fit, this team is where it is, and it needed improvements. So, uh, when you look at what's happened so far, Phil, uh, I would say Reina for Heaton and Drinkwater for McGinn is, hasn't actually covered those injuries. We're actually weaker, aren't we, than if they were still fit?
1: Yeah, we're we're definitely weaker. I mean, Pepe Reina has experience, but even in his prime, in the the Premier League there was a mistake in him yeah Heaton even though he had a bad game against Bournemouth at the start of the season ever since that he's been rock solid and you could tell when a ball I mean even today's game Nyland there's question marks of him if Heaton had let the same goals go in you wouldn't have said oh we should have got there you would have knew if that ball went in the net he couldn't get there I mean there was no yeah, question yeah. about it um drink water didn't have a great start and he, he's definitely known again but time will tell i mean apart from fitness ways you may as well put one of us out there as far as minutes in the premier league
2: is gone because <laughs> <laughs> when you uh going back to uh the previous shows uh, i don't know if it was on the last show or one of the uh patron extra shows where we discussed uh well, I think it was after the Leicester game, the, the patron extra that focused on the the Leicester semi-final. When we said that the signing of Drink Water looked more inspired, every minute of that uh, semi-final went past because obviously Nakamba and Louise were struggling to keep their heads uh, above water, and and you know they're all kinds of uh, wayward passing and being caught in possession. But when you think about, I mean, I was watching was it Jack Grealish interview where he said John Terry told him that it took six games at the start of the season for you to kind of get up to match Red. Do you think that Smith dropped drink water in there, knowing he's not up to up to speed, but just because he was thinking, well, we're probably going to get beat here, so you might as well give him a good seventy five minutes, yeah, at least get get him on the path to being fit, potentially, because he knows anyone he brings in now,
3: he has to get them up to speed as quickly as possible. You know, if he can fast track that by, uh, you know, getting him seventy five minutes when in a game where he'd maybe not ideally want to throw him straight into, but. He, you know he need, he needs the he needs the legs in the in the squad. You know it, it kind of speaks for itself that he didn't trust you know Lansbury enough to play in that position, and he felt he needed to play Drinkwater over Nakamba. Yeah,
2: but I mean, do you think Philip backfired a little bit because Danny Drinkwater is going to be thinking, oh fuck? Well, I mean, w- welcome to Villa. Um, th- this, th- this 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 guy's called
1: this guy's called Douglas Louise. Um, when the ball goes to him, it can it can come back or it might not come back. Who knows? Um, uh, you the guy out in the left. is Neil Taylor there, and you've probably. Relish the chance to play against him, but he's not as bad as everybody says. And it's you could go through the whole team like doing a, a comedy sort of welcome to Villa thing for Danny Drinkwater. I, mean, I think but, you should film, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, come on. Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean. I said in the, the, the Patreon podcast that it might make the other midfielders look very stupid, you know, when Danny Drinkwater yeah. came in and suddenly he's a, a competent midfielder. Um, yeah. Whenever Nakamba came on for the last 20 minutes or so, Nakamba looked great. <laughs> so I completely <laughs> got that one the wrong way around. So <laughs> absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. I mean, Drinkwater, bless him. He was
3: involved, wasn't he? Pretty much directly in four of the six goals because of mistakes. You know, yeah. the second goal, Directly was his error, but it was involved in all of the, you know, four, the, especially the ones in the first half. And, and he'll know that, you know, he's. I'm sure he's experienced enough to know he's not at the level he wants to be at, and he knows he's not at the sharpness uh, and the, and the, the level of fitness probably as well. But also,
2: and, you know, he's he's got to get used to a new team as well. Yeah, I'm amazed he got
1: through the game, the strength, the character after four howlers to actually turn out for the second half. I mean, it says something. Absolutely, it, it kind of reminds me strangely on the same day last year. You know, we went to.
3: We went to Wigan and saw a cameo from Courtney Hawes when everyone was looking at him going, oh my God, what have we bought? And he came good. Mm. (laughs) Apart from until he played Manchester City. (laughs) And then they were all dreadful. I mean, let's be honest, there are very few. There's probably two people who came out of the game with any kind of credit.
2: Because you've only got a flashback a few days to Leicester semi-final and Courtney Hawes played a great game, one of his better games, and obviously under a lot of pressure as well. Especially defensively, I, th- I think without the ball.
3: Sorry, with the ball, I don't think he was particularly great. But then I don't think any of them were. And the way we were set up wasn't to keep the ball. But defensively, he did his work superbly. He read the game brilliantly
2: against Leicester. This is yeah, it. and
3: he, and he, and his, <laughs> his his ability in the air, the amount of stuff he wins is is ridiculous. I think it was. It was I think it was the Burnley game. He had a hundred percent of all headers yeah. against a, a really big team.
2: I mean, I w- I went on the uh, the Manchester City uh, podcast, the Blue Moon and. Uh, you know, they asked me for a prediction and and I said, well, you know, 3-0 because uh, we're going to be, uh, we haven't got a striker and we're going to be knackered after the last Leicester game. And you kind of saw that because mentally to concentrate for that full 90 minutes as they did against uh, the constant onslaught of Leicester. And then you're coming up against Manchester City, like probably the the most fluid, liquid attacking team, you know, one of the best in Europe. And the players must be mentally knackered from that Leicester game and then thinking, oh, fuck, we've got to do this all over again. So you can kind of understand a little bit how they wouldn't be on it and they, they would capitulate quite easily. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is, uh, as they say. It's quite interesting that uh, carrying on about the January window, when Smith was asked about a striker and also other players, he seemed to straight bat it and suggest that he had just been concentrating on the game. And obviously, Suso, the sporting director, that was his department. So he he was kind of maintaining that he didn't have any knowledge on the situation. So it, it did suggest that it is a case of... This is what I want. Go and get me it, and then they serve up whatever they can find. He's too honest. That's that's one of his feelings. I mean, say something,
1: just a bit of encouragement. But yeah, by by just laying out there how you know the club works. I mean, it it opens himself up to you know Twitter experts, all these sort of people saying that oh Smith didn't get his signings and and everything yeah. else. Smith probably set a list down of about forty players in the summer and. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that came in that he went, no, we don't want him at the club. So Yeah, exactly. It's a sad state of affairs at the minute. Um, Just when you hear things like that, you you worry, is it going to be that 2015-16 transfer window again where the whole window you were waiting for somebody to come
2: in and it was just like, by the end, nobody. Well, he did say uh, if Villa fail in their striker search, we will cope. I mean, we'll cope in the championship, I'm sure. I think if we fail to get a striker, I think we're as good as down. Yeah. Yeah. Because you I mean we'll we'll talk about the other the other teams the other teams who have fought their way out of nowhere you know I've got strikers they've got legitimate strikers and the first thing managers will say how do you get promoted from the championship oh you need a 20 goal striker how do you stay up you need a goal threat you need goals you can battle all you want but you need somebody to stick it in the net and we we will not cope we will go down it's as simple as that and you know you can quote me on that if we don't get a striker and most Villa, I think all Villa fans would agree with that I think yeah. deep down Smith Smith would probably agree as well Hmm. well yeah th- i think i think he's just being uh brave but reading between the lines there's probably a bit of frustration there because we're going into key games now Your brightons away watford and you need a striker it's just, when they've you they it they've got like, they've got like six,
3: seven days but you need to bed them in in training you've probably got maybe four days five days tops to actually get your shit together
2: yeah if we're talking about time management I mean obviously things turn up at certain times but focus on the striker rather than getting Pepe Reina in 37 year old version of a keeper who uh, always played behind a very good team whether it's internationally or uh, domestically, but anyway, we'll, we will see. Uh, I mean, they did say that we'd have a striker in place for the Manchester City game, so that obviously hasn't happened. Well, you wonder what's fallen through. I
3: and mean, with the rumours that if if Codger is to go to Forest, as it is rumoured this week, and we don't bring a striker, and I think they'll just the club will be playing themselves into trouble with the supporters in terms of well, you haven't got any strikers. The one option you do have, not that anyone likes him or rates him, but you've just got rid of him as well. It's like, who's left? Injured Keenan Davis or Scott Hogan? Mm, Who's not back yet?
2: Or the young lad, you know, Vasilev. Who clearly isn't ready yet? Well, he's eighteen. That's—I that's says I mean, that's, that's all you need to know about him. So it's a precarious one because at the start of the season, every Villa fan would say we needed a we needed another striker, and then it would have been, you'd have been one hundred percent happy with the Winder. I mean, obviously, you don't know some of these players if they're going to turn good or not, and a lot of them, you know, it's going to take them two or three seasons to actually see the uh, see them in their optimum uh, selves. But yeah. uh... well, e- even if we'd have kept Tammy Abraham, we'd have still needed another Premier League striker. Yeah. Because yeah. you need, really, you need a four-pronged attack. Going into the season, one position that we had an embarrassment of riches in was the midfield, and we thought that would be a bit of a strong suit. I mean, I remember you, Chris, uh, comparing our midfield, I think it was against Manchester United, when I think it was Horahan, McGinn and Grealish, and you were saying we had a better midfield than them. But now, suddenly, teams are just marching through us, and there seems to be a lack of physicality there, lack of, you know, just... The fundamentals have all gone. There's no pressing anymore. There's a lack of muscle. Phil, you were telling me an interesting stat before we started recording in terms of the City game. Yeah, I mean, the three
1: starting Villa midfielders made four tackles between them all afternoon and City made 863 passes as a team. That's disgusting, isn't it? It's staggering, isn't it?
3: that
2: That just reinforces how passive those three players were. Because when you play in City, the first thing I would be saying is like, right, just leave your mark on them you know the yeah, first five minutes get just you know give them something to think about they're they're known for tactical fouls. Give them some tactical fouls they're scared of them that that was it was
1: they were They were scared of you know stepping in making a making a move towards the city player in case they dance around them or pass through them, and you know what it, it happens anyway, so you, you may as well have done it,
2: yeah.
3: I think you've got to, it's like that really old-fashioned English way of playing. First 10, 15 minutes, smash into one of them. Take the yellow card if you have to, but let them know that
2: you're in the game. But also, play like Ireland used to play. Uh, when, when, you know, they'd play teams like Italy or whatever and Holland, and they would press the fuck out of them, just chase yeah, them down. Grind every. you teams out. And eventually, I mean, if, if you've still got the energy levels, and I don't know if this team had after Leicester, then you, you start to frustrate a team like City. I mean, uh, obviously, you've got to be doing it to the max. Put it this way, you're not going to get beat 6-1 if you do it that way. Well, it's just so passive you know it's like if you're gonna you know dean smith set them up against leicester
3: with this thing they, they call it a low block don't they where you have your back five well well it's meant to be a back three for villa but it was a back five and then the midfield tucked in as well so you almost had sort of eight men behind the ball at any one time meant to be very compact yeah. but none of them are actually pressing the ball it's literally like attack v defense but because you're so passive man city can play through you because they're obviously so well drilled and their movements incredible yeah. and like you know, people like you look at some of the interchange between De Bruyne, David Silva and Aguero. I mean, it's, you know, for the neutral, it was just incredible to watch. But you can see, because I sit up high, you can see how much we're getting pulled apart and you can see where the pass is coming through. Um, But because we're so fucking passive, City know it's easy. So when they want to just, they can, if they don't get the break that they want in Villa's final third, they know they can recycle the ball and they can get it back into the final third really quickly because they can pop it back.
0: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: To one of the full-backs or the centre-backs, and then they can play through us.
2: Yeah, I mean, if somebody's left a mark on one of their players' early doors, he's going to go, right, I'm not going to fanny around too much and be fancy uh, because I know I'm going to get kicked here. But they knew nothing was going to happen to them. And, you know, when I saw that lineup, I thought, ah, uh, I think it's going to be worse than I first imagined.
3: Well, it's not their game, is it? We've said this numerous times about Horahan for, you know, he's great with a dead ball he's great in and around the final third and he can make things happen but winning the ball back has never been his game even in the championship yeah. so like you, you put him up against some of the best midfielders in the world arguably two of the best midfielders to ever play in the Premier League I mean it was I felt so sorry for him because he was chasing shadows and the all I
2: yeah I, I, I totally forgot he was playing I mean in fact he only had 29 touches which uh, even Scott Hogan's had more than that in some games <laughs> <laughs> and Louise I mean it's like you can see a guy that if, if if Man
3: City wanted to keep him they could have surely got him a work permit. Yeah. But he's nowhere near their second, third string.
2: He he had 30 touches as well, which for, you know, centre mids and considering who we're playing, it's a bit of a joke. I mean, Drinkwater had 41 and uh, to give him some dues, he had the best pass completion of any midfielder. Eighty-eight point two percent. I mean, admittedly, a lot of those were quite simple backward passes. He wasn't doing anything really progressive. T- to sort of, said <laughs> he. No, these are like completions to his own players. Nah, yeah,
3: he's, he's he's maintained his beautiful partnership with Mares, hasn't he? It seems to he's rolled it to him perfectly <laughs> on numerous occasions.
2: I mean, eighty-eight point two completion, but it was eleven point eight that ended up in the back of our net. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that we. I remember we, we spoke
3: about this. Pre- previously when we i think it was after the uh, watching Liverpool's kids dismantle Everton in the FA cup and you can, you can learn even more about city because for all their quality and their quality is on another stratosphere to villas their work rate when they don't have the ball and how they press
2: yeah.
3: it's kind of like sickening to think when you know it's like if you can't match them for quality which we can't you're going to have to match them for effort yeah and we didn't do either it's it's kind of like you you don't stand a fucking hope in hell's chance Against a team like that, if you aren't going to fight with them,
2: I mean their ethos. If we haven't got the ball, it's get the ball back as quickly as possible. Now that wasn't in any of the Villa players' mind. It was like just keep the try to keep the ball out of the net, which is yeah, the and wrong hold way. Your shape. It's, it's, it's the wrong passive. way to go. Yeah, yeah, and they don't say so don't let the ball
1: go out. I mean that's one thing they're, they're different about Liverpool. Liverpool will take the pitch position. They will take throw wins and things further up the pitch, and you know keep the ball. City, you know, they'll chase down the ball to the byline, keep it in just to keep you under that pressure. Yeah. And um, I mean, Pep isn't stupid. I mean, he—if you look at the the City attacks, all stayed away from Mings. I mean, they went, they targeted the other two centre backs, and you know, he didn't even play Sterling. He he, he stuck two up front, two centre forwards, and yeah. was just it wasn't good to watch
2: no when you I mean, then you saw that we actually only really had two players that were ever going to be classed as forwards in Al and Grealish you just thought there's, we can't hurt them so there's no way we're going to get anything from this game because against City if you have a go at them and Stones was only just coming back and he's not always you know he's not always at it like in the in the same way that Wolves did and Norwich and Newcastle, you can get joy if you ever go at them, but we were never set up in any way. or We didn't actually have the players because we haven't actually got any strikers, for starters. So we're always, we, we were never going to be in a position to give them something to think about, which you have to if you want to get anything out of the game against them. When we just weren't brave, did we?
3: You could almost... There was an air of inevitability around the whole stadium. We were just waiting for the first one to go in. At 1-0, it's difficult. At 2-0, it's game over. At three, four, it's just
1: like well, it becomes a farce. Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing that we we'll, we we'll wasted a decent El Ghazi performance in that game. If we only have so many yeah, of his, his decent performances. He did performances. play well, didn't he? I thought yeah. he actually
3: he tried pretty well. And and the battle with between him and Stones was very even. I thought. I thought El Ghazi yeah. put himself about a bit under the high ball. He would bring it down on his chest. He would try and hold the ball up. But we were so deep, we just couldn't get anyone around him. I thought him and Grealish had a few. Pretty good bursts, but they just knew they had to just get their head down and go and hope that someone fouled them.
2: Yeah, and I think that that, that kind of played out in the Leicester game as well. I thought El Ghazi and Grealish were decent in that as well in terms of yeah. giving us a threat at the other end. So, you know, Leicester couldn't just 100% camp out in our yeah. ha- own heart. And yet again, the, the big thing we've spoke about every podcast for a long time is this
3: lack of pace in that every time we'd have the ball in the right-back position, I could see why mohammedi was playing Smith would have thought if I can get him whipping his ball down the line and and turn City round, we might get a bit of joy in the channels. But we didn't because Ghazi, while well, he's got a little bit of pace, but he's not going to scare anyone. I mean, I j- I just wonder d- deep down if if Smith sort of was with the like as you said, like the people like drink water, maybe resting Gilbert didn't want to put target in just yet. If he's thinking, I need these guys fit and firing for the runner games we've got. This is a free hit, maybe not yeah. today for these guys.
1: Again, about Smith, there, there's a way to sort of communicate communicate that in a known way. You know, in your post match interviews, say something like, you know, oh, after the Leicester game, you know, the, the statisticians told me there's a few guys in the red zone, and we can't afford yeah. any more injuries. That's the way you communicate. I'm saving them for games that I need them for, rather than, yeah, hundred yeah. yeah. percent. I I agree
3: with you, Phil. I think, and it's a really and that would be a valid point because
1: to be fair to them.
3: They put in a brilliant shift at Leicester and they worked so bloody hard at the, at the King Power to to just to stay in that tie. And everyone yeah. sort of applauded them for it because we didn't show a lot of quality. We showed a little bit, but we had to grind it there. And we, and we had a really difficult game yeah. against Burnley where we played a similar way. It was hard yards and we chased the ball for 90 minutes against Leicester and the same again today. And
2: you could just see we didn't have the legs to do it. Unless Leicester, we showed a lot of willing because I mean Smith uh, echoed what a lot of people thought was the performance wasn't there. The passing was terrible. We we made we made our life so difficult in that game against Leicester, but we we sh- we had such a will to get through it that that was impressive. And, and it- that stupid mistake und- undermined so much good effort. And the- a one 0 smash and grab would have been uh, a testament to a lot of. You know, strength of character, and it kind of undermined that, which was a was a bit of a shame. Yeah, but- the,
3: the the Leicester game, they, we we took from it all the things we thought we needed to. Similarly to Burnley, that we can go out and we can grind when we need to. You know, Man City. I mean, one one thing I would I would say about both those oppositions is the the step up from Leicester to Man City. Although Leicester have been above City in the league, I'm sorry, but Manchester City are a lot better than Leicester man for man.
2: But Leicester. Are built to to beat Manchester City. They can beat Manchester City just from having Vardy up front and, yeah. a, and a decent and, and enough and Wolves midfield. Yeah, you know, Wolves have beaten them yeah. twice. Ridiculous. So, and this is what I'm saying. We haven't got the weapons. When, especially when you saw that lineup, there's there's no way we've got the weapons to uh, to beat Manchester City, as both games have shown ultimately. But uh, just going, uh, what I was mentioning about the the poor passing and the performance against uh, Leicester in terms of making it extra hard work to get what we got out of it. The failure of this this philosophy of Villa playing out of the back, which is obviously. Uh, one of the fundamentals of the Smith way is opponents now, I mean, they know what's happening, so they can shut it down. And they've shut it down pretty easily because we don't have the quality or the the quickness of mind to really play out the back effectively now. Taking far too many touches in our own box, as uh, Drinkwater will testify. But that's, you know, he's just he's just done what several other Villa players have done and it's Costa's goals I mean starting with Grealish against Spurs in the first game of the season and you know obviously in the Leicester game it was that oh let's just play the short pass you know from the free kick out the back rather than just get it out and relieve some pressure pressure it's we're not playing out the back effectively and when Pep I mean I've, I've said this point you know several times uh over the duration of uh Previous shows, uh, when Pep took over at Barcelona and started to ingrain this kind of, for want of a better term, total football Cruyff philosophy, Barcelona were making mistakes and it was costing them goals when they were playing it out the back. But they learnt through that season. They quickly learnt because the best way of learning is to make the mistakes. But as we always say, as especially Chris, we're not learning from our mistakes. And, you know, you wince some of these mistakes. They're they're just, hang on, are these professional football? footballers getting paid five six figures a week and from, as i
3: said from my vantage point you can see when the mistakes are going to come it's becoming quite predictable and if, if i can see that geez pro footballers and clearly pro managers know exactly how to put the squeeze on villas midfield
2: yeah but the the response hasn't been good has it phil there's there's been no improvement and the the silly obvious mistakes are, are, are... Are apparent every game now.
1: Yeah, and it's not just a problem. I mean, for a bit of positivity, it's not just a problem that's affecting us. I mean, I watched the whole of Bournemouth and Watford and yeah. Bournemouth as well. I mean, stop doing it, I mean, I didn't know what result you wanted out of that game today, probably a draw but at the same time, yeah. you were cringing for the Bournemouth players when the, the, they tried to keep playing this ball out from the back and, and none of them have the ability to do it, I mean, you go back to our match, the only goal that I really lost it with was the last one, Courtney Hawes got carried away with the crowd, you know, doing Olay football when we're 5-0 down and he just passed it straight to him and I was just like, <laughs> was just, I was just I was like, fuck like I, there was one of the real proper one, just shouted and that was it, yeah
3: but that's, that, the, that, that was the, that was for the sixth goal, you say? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The yeah I was halfway down Trinity
2: Road by then. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's one that is. It was just a, an example of what's been happening. Like, just it's a casual. I don't. Is it a mindset? Like, oh, we're cultured. We're playing it out the back, so we can like slow down a bit. Because there's certain players that do slow down time, and I quite like players that are so good that they can slow down time, but they will never lose the ball. If you know what I mean? Yeah, They're Jack in can do that because he's yeah the top player, but.
3: Yeah, if, right. if it's a mental thing that they clearly can do it because they've shown in the past they can I mean I remember the I think it was the McGinn goal at Arsenal started by our own corner flag played yeah, our way yeah. out got up the field great cross beautiful finish so we can do it but I think other the opposition have become a little bit more clued up into how to play against us and we haven't got that sort of counter in us we don't know how to it's like Smith well, said this is how we play but we can't
2: do it another way or whether we don't have the ability to or the confidence to or the belief if you're playing out the back and the opposition are wise to your methods, what you do by con- continuing to play out the back is to draw them in and hit them. So, you know, you draw them in up the field and then you obviously hit them by playing out the back smartly and, and with, you know, quick, with pace. But we, as we said, we don't have that pace throughout the team to up the tempo in terms of playing around the back. What we do we play around the back then we play it to the midfield and then we play it back and there's no kind of momentum there's no sharpness to it to draw them in and then hit them so it's really it's not an effective way of of playing in you know in any shape or format at the moment well no you, the, the whole point of
3: playing out from the back is that you get to the front well at the moment we don't have a front to play to
1: so we're playing at the back <laughs> to nowhere yeah we just get we're just stuck at the back can you imagine a, a village a villa you know squad match against each other. I mean, we've bought so many players of the same sort of passive mentality that th- yeah. they don't even get the train against somebody that's going to kick them. I mean, <laughs> that's what it's like. I mean, it's no. no wonder they think they're they're great and can play this sort of football. I mean, can you imagine yeah. like Lansbury pressing, you know, Mings at the back? It's it's not going to happen in training because it doesn't happen in a match. He hasn't got the legs. No.
2: <laughs> Just moving on to Smith. We've mentioned that he seems to be... He's kind of not saying the right things in terms of uh, the transfers and he seemed to put like a disconnect between him and the sporting director. And then what I said earlier on about we will cope if we don't get a striker, that's a death sentence. If we haven't got a striker, then uh, I can't see us doing anything. I mean, he also said our season won't be defined by playing Manchester City or Liverpool. Their three scorers today cost more than our whole squad. But it's going to be defined by the league table. And at the moment, uh, we're not in a good position as it stands and it's been worsened by the fact that Southampton and Watford have completely got their shit together I mean I think they've stripped it right back just got back down to basics especially in the uh in the case of Watford and Pearson. And, you know, Watford is second only to Liverpool and Manchester City in terms of form since Pearson came in. I think they've got 13 out of 15 points.
3: Well, what Pearson's, what Pearson's done at Watford is essentially he's gone back to the old-fashioned British fighting relegation battle mentality. He's gone, yeah. you've had loads of sort of continental cultured managers in here. I'm going to get you guys fighting. You look at them now, they're chasing everything. They're flying into tackles. They bullied Villa. It was an embarrassment yeah. watching them. It was now in the middle, yeah.
2: Southampton have had twenty points from the last ten games. I think they've had a ten goal swing since that nine nil, and obviously they've beaten the team that beat them nine nil in Leicester since then. That. and that's just like a matter of seventy eight days. And Ralph Hassan hutty he's unbeaten in the last five Premier League games, and so you're in a situation there where you've just been beaten nine nil, and you know people are calling for his head already. But this is an example of if you have a bit of patience and uh, let that manager sort out the problem, then uh, it sometimes beats, you know, just cutting and changing and and looking for a quick fix. He's pace to work with because, I mean, look, I mean, Shane Long
1: is not a great footballer, but he has that light. He always has had that lightning pace. He, yeah. like McGinn for us, gets you up the pitch. I mean, but he's even further forward. He's, he, you know, you can just hit one for him, chase that long, away you go. Yeah. You know, he's going to kick it wide or something, but one of these times he's going to kick it into the path of Danny Ings. He's going to say, thanks very much again. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the thing. They've got strikers and uh, and Watford have got, uh, that's the if the rest of your team's doing the basics and chasing everything and, and you've got the men up front to finish it off, that's the kind of the most simplistic Formula you can have for being effective in this division and and finishing out the relegation zone mid table.
3: Yeah, for the, for the I really sort of understand now where teams, well, on pundits and stuff were sort of saying our oh, Villa are doing a Fulham, and the similarities are pretty horrifying at the moment in terms of we both, you know, we both sort of had a. Now, the, the initial thing was obviously they had both teams spent a lot of money, fine, that's kind of what, whatever it is. But in terms of the way Fulham went down, they had this sort of very principled, well, we want to play our way, we want to play passing yeah. football and all yeah. these bollocks. They had a few players who could do that, but ultimately it didn't work for them and they didn't know how to fight. Fulham, what we said this numerous times, Fulham were never set up, even in the championship, to not have the ball. Yeah. You know, if you gave them the ball and they had 65%, 70% of the possession, they could beat teams. If you give Villa 65%, 70% of the ball, they can hurt you. You, you, know, you look at the, the Newcastle game where Newcastle were passive, let us play, and it was a doddle. But yeah. most ha- any half-decent team will see the videos and go, as long as we get in Villa's face and pressure them, they'll give us opportunities. Yeah. And at the moment, I sort of go into a Villa game almost knowing We start most games a goal down because either the midfield are going to gift you a goal or the back four are going to give the ball away in a stupid area.
2: Although uh, we do normally, apart from obviously Manchester City, normally start the first 45 minutes okay. We we
3: say that. I mean, that's as bad as a, a bad a 45 minutes of football as I've ever seen at Villa Park. Yeah. Especially in the first half.
2: Because you should still have some pride as being, you know, Aston Villa, and no team should come to your ground and do that to you. It was the Julian um, Lescott
1: game just, all over again. Yeah. The, Horrific. This,
2: yeah. Yeah, there were shades of like Micah Richards, Julian
3: Lescott, and Alan Hutton going walk about <laughs> oh individual errors and collective lack of responsibility.
2: We have lost our goal difference advantage that we had on our counterparts we now have the I think joint second worst I think only Norwich have a worse goal difference than us so we've lost our advantage in terms of uh, you know with Watford and Bournemouth for example and Burnley that if we were on the same points that would lift us uh, above them but now uh, we haven't even got that so it's it was a it was a proper defeat you know when people say oh we're never going to beat Manchester City but in the scheme of things we did get beat badly in terms of what it could have been because we've lost well they've single-handedly wiped out our goal difference I think eight goals in total haven't they we're not going to get that
3: back with no strikers yeah we can slam Villa all night if we had to but I think as, as well you you do have to appreciate the, the joy in watching a team play football the way Man City do they were brilliant yeah. I mean I will openly admit to standing up and applauding two of their goals you know, I thought the De Bruyne ball for the fourth and even the um the Aguero finish, where you know it's it's while well, it's shocking defending in the build-up when he gets into the position, he just rifles it into the top corner, yeah. and and that De Bruyne ball for the for fourth, you know that's world class. You know, not this isn't even Premier League. This is the tip of the top of the tree quality. And hopefully, Villa are going to watch these tapes back horrifically as it will be for them to do, and hopefully they're going to learn something.
2: There's another scenario, isn't there? If we managed to hold our heads and there's a raucous night at Villa Park when Leicester come for the second leg and we get past Leicester. The whole likelihood is we will play Manchester City again at Wembley. And I mean, one thing we've noticed is in the stadium and uh, online is this loser mentality Of people going, well, what's the point of going through the semi-final? We're going to get tonked in the final. You know, City are going to kill us. Well, if that's your starting point mentality, then you might as well just get out of here because football isn't for you. What is the point? Sport.
3: Sport is about (laughs) competing at the the best. You know, you don't like... You don't follow a boxer to say he could be heavyweight champion of the world, but he might get knocked out, so probably shouldn't take the risk. It's like, you want to yeah. be in cup finals. You want to be at the business end of things.
2: Wigan were getting relegated, and they got relegated. They play Manchester City in the FA Cup final, and they beat them. Southampton this season got whacked 9-0. Did they go, oh, we're playing Leicester again. They're going to beat us again. No, they they went out and beat Leicester away from home as well, 2-1. So you learn from what happened, and hopefully we'll sign some fucking strikers or something.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and credit to the fans, you know, because at 5-0 the fans got really behind the team and it was a cracking yeah. atmosphere. But but you have to sort of you know, I know it's difficult to be positive after you've lost six-one and you've been completely like dismantled. But the bigger picture is the season isn't over here. We're not like ten points adrift at the bottom. We're in the yeah. bottom of, you know, in the bottom half of the table where basically everything from ten down is bang average, bang average. You know, teams are having little runs of form. We've had some little peaks and troughs and some bad runs, but we've got it in us. If we get our shit together, there's enough rubbish down there that we can stay up. And imagine we were to finish out of the relegation zone and you, in the unlikely event, won a trophy. What a season.
2: Yeah, no, exactly.
3: Everything to play for. Like It's like, don't manifest bad things. Like, oh, we're going to get pumped, so what's the point going to Wembley? Well, as you said, if that's your attitude... Why bother, like, trying to win anything? Why compete? Oh,
2: we're playing to lose. What? Like that's not sport there's a term called the underdog and we will be in the uh, we were always going to be the underdog in the in the league cup final if we got there uh, whoever we played but we've shown i think we've shown enough quality for example the first half against manchester city at the etihad where it was nil nil that's the only evidence you need that we can be competitive in the final against them if you know if we get through the last yeah, game
3: you know what, what 80 85 minutes against the team who were top of the table by what, 13
2: points Best team in the world, apparently. Apparently so. So we we've got it in us. We've said it before. Uh, we we have quality. It's just we've made silly mistakes. We've switched off. I think this game came too soon after that Leicester game, and obviously our you know ridiculous amount of injuries. But as we said before in the last podcast, it, a lot depends on sorting out this January window and getting in forward threats to actually give us some firepower going forward because uh, El Ghazi, you know. He'll put in an earnest shift, but he's not going to get us out of this mess or win us the cup uh, no, on his you've own. Got,
3: you've got to, you know, you've got to stay afloat because it's going to go down to the wire. We've just yeah. got to make sure we're in the mix. And I think if you can stay afloat and you can get a striker in, once you get McGinn back, if it's anything like last season, he's going to come back like a Duracell bunny anyway.
2: Yeah,
1: last game of the season, West Ham away? Yeah,
3: well,
2: there you go, there you go. <laughs> keep keep Feel them spoken. within keep them within touch. I'd love to put them down. But that's where yeah. I want my stem to go. Get get just some for, tax for their stadium, get some
3: of the money back. <clears throat> yeah, for our for our tax bill stadium that we pay for.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, let's uh, let's not descend in uh, petty West Ham hating because uh, we'll do that later on in shows to come. <laughs> <laughs> I've already lined that one. up. I'm hoping they're still down there until the uh, the final furlong. But uh, until uh, next time, we, we will uh, we will return the Scott Hogan Touch Count, even if we have to strip the title of Dan Rogers after he's been a little bit AWOL in recent times. But we will have the Scott Hogan Touch Count next edition of the podcast. Uh, sh- let's leave on a positive note. Give me a reason to be cheerful, Phil, if you can muster something. Mm, well... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had a seizure then. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: well, th- th- the reason to be cheerful is... We've already got more points than the season went down. with loads of games left, you know. Yeah, but come on, that, it isn't that wasn't over. hard.
2: That wasn't hard to get more than that time.
1: No, it wasn't. I mean, it, I I'm struggling at the minute. I mean, you know, and there's there's not much at the minute. There there needs to be a signing. I think we're we're all agreed there needs to be a signing, But there is time to get one. But we need a striker, and we're not going to get Glenn Murray even if we wanted him before we play Brighton. So yeah. Real handmade. Well, we need two. I would say two options. Yeah,
2: Chris. Any any uh, positives? Here's reason, a little one. And I, reasons I, I tw- to be cheerful.
3: Yeah, and I, and I tweeted this one earlier. Villa have played in the history of the competition. They have played 14 home League Cup semi-finals. We've only ever lost one. Who was that against? Chelsea oh. in the 1960s. Right, well, that's a pretty good We've, stat. We have never lost one since then. We've drawn a few. We haven't lost at home. Since, and I'll give I think you I think it, I think it was nineteen sixty-four. So if you haven't gone and bought a ticket yet for Leicester, go and buy one.
2: <laughs> Who are you?
3: <laughs> I'm just trying to get people to start believing. It's like just enjoy the process. You know, this time last year we were getting pumped at fucking Wigan. Now we've got pumped again by Man City,
2: which <laughs> twice is not as much, hard. Yeah. twice as hard. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: the curve is still upward. It's like just Enjoy the process.
2: Well, here, here's here's a reason to be cheerful. And I suppose you could throw this in uh, with one eye to that semi-final as well. We actually scored a fucking penalty for the first time of the season. Buried
3: it, didn't he, man? Absolutely so, buried it.
2: If it goes to penalties, at least if he gets, takes the first one, we'll still be in it. And at least Jed
3: Steer will—he'll uh, be fit by then. We can keep him on the bench and sub him on just as a bit of a psychological thing
2: to use his death stare on yeah, um, Vardy. We'll, we'll,
3: we'll bring back Yedinak in the January window. He always buries him, doesn't he? With his sex face when he buries a
1: penalty.
3: <laughs> <laughs> got if you could buy some bloody confidence and a bit of belief—that'd be a great start. I mean, I think if you—if you want a reason to be relatively positive, it's like you look at how fucking bad we've been over a couple of month period now the fact that we're only
2: one point from safety it's like wow we could be well adrift yeah what's the next game oh it's we, we uh that's a game we should really need to win against Brighton but anyway Away at Brighton then we've got Watford on the Tuesday after so it's a huge sort of
3: 48 hours or so for them and then they have seven days off before the semi-final so that's where if Smith is going to go and buy people he has to use those seven days to bed people in
2: Right, anyway, let's get out of here. But thank you very much for listening as per usual. Uh, if you're a My Old Man Said patron, look out for the extra shows. Please do uh, share the show and uh, follow on Spotify and Apple if you listen there. Until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Keep the faith. Goodbye.